we'll uh, wrap up our conversations. You can find your seats. As you're finding your seats, you can open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We'll be in Mark 4 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, it should appear on the screen. And uh, it is my joy to welcome you here. Um, it is an absolute privilege to be able to gather together as the people of God under the banner that it is finished for us, that Jesus has actually accomplished everything that we need for life and for salvation. And so we just get to come under that banner and rest. And as I'm speaking about rest, next Sunday will be what? July 4th, okay? So um, if you show up in this room, there's not going to be anybody else here because everybody's going to be at the lake or everybody's going to be in their neighborhoods. So every year we take a Sabbath as a church on the 4th of July weekend just to give staff and volunteers a weekend off so you don't have to feel guilty about not coming while you're laying out by the pool, all right? So uh, that's your <laughs> July 4th announcement. Mark chapter 4. Um, as I read Scripture, I am most naturally drawn to passages that communicate breakthrough moments, like Exodus chapter 14, where the people of God are kind of backed up, got the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them, and the only way forward is if God makes a way forward. I love passages like that, or Elijah kind of doing battle on the mountain against a uh, Mount Carmel up against the prophets of Baal. I love breakthrough moments. I love all of the pictures of the crowds that we've seen receiving miracles from Jesus where they get their miracle. And that is a very real and a very true part of who God is. And if I'm honest, most of my prayers kind of focus on those breakthrough kinds of moments, either for myself or for my family, or for us as a church family. I want to see breakthrough. But there also is this competing um, tension that we have to hold. Although we serve a God of breakthrough, we also have a God that works through lifetimes. He works through centuries and through generations to accomplish His purposes. Um, we serve a God who's not in a hurry. One of the things that I love about, I've been watching the show The Chosen with my kids, and you see Jesus with his disciples, and he is not a 21st century person who is trying to multitask. He gives his full attention to his people. People, if you've watched the show at all, who are people in progress, people just like you and I, and he is infinitely patient with them. That's a little bit of the theme that we're going to pick up on as we look at Mark chapter 4. Discipleship in the kingdom, although there are breakthrough moments, often take period over long periods of time. And the good news is Jesus is okay with gradual. Jesus is okay with slow. Um, in his book, Three Mile an Hour God, Japanese theologian Kasuki Koyama says this. He says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds 
since it is the speed of love. So what we're going to view as we look at the end of Mark chapter 4 this morning is the fact that the kingdom of God goes forward at the speed of love. That God delights in changing us just as much as he does initially saving us. And if you're anything like me, you're, you're probably tempted to believe that there's some future version of you and some future version of maturity that you're going to reach one day, and God loves that version of you. Mark chapter 4 is in the Bible to say, listen, God is committed to the process of changing us over time. So the big idea that we're going to look at as we look at Mark chapter 4 is that although the kingdom of God begins slowly in seemingly small and insignificant ways, the promise is that it will grow and expand in our lives and through our lives as we follow Jesus and trust him, right? So it may seem small, it may seem insignificant, but the truth is as we follow Jesus and we put our faith in him, there's nothing that will stop his work in our lives and through our lives. God will accomplish his purposes. And we're going to do that as we look at three parables this morning. And I'm going to begin reading in Mark chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put in under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, As they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, would you pray with me? Father, so much now we want to come under the speed of love. I pray that you would give every person here a vision for what you're doing in their life and what you want to accomplish through their life as we walk with you. I pray that you would renew us from the inside out, 
For the weary, I pray that you would give rest. For the guilty, I pray that you would give the gift of a clean conscience. For the discouraged, I pray that you pour out fresh faith so that we would accurately represent who you are to the world. Thank you for your commitment to us, which is so much greater than our commitment to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So at the end of Mark chapter 4, we have three more parables. Remember, Jesus is speaking to the crowds in parables. And a parable is basically a spiritual metaphor that teaches a truth about the kingdom of God. So he is teaching in parables um, for a couple of reasons. One is they are a memorable picture that are sp- that's supposed to stick with you, but it also is a, a kind of teaching that's inviting us to go a little bit deeper. Now, um, I actually had the privilege of, of sitting down with a, a, an elderly man this week. He was about 90 years old. He was blind, um, and he wanted to ask some questions about Jesus. And so he basically began to recall to me things that he remembered from Scripture. And one of the things that he remembered from Scripture, he says, now, there's something about a mustard seed, right? So this man has lived his entire life, but the the idea of a mustard seed growing was something that stuck with him. Uh, My kids, we're we're going on vacation right after this gathering, so you can stay with me, all right? So (laughs) they drove me into work this morning. And we, they said, what are you going to preach about? And I said, well, I'm going to talk about, the, you know, I'm going to talk about different parables, and we're going to talk about the mustard seed. They're like, oh, that's what Donut Man taught us when we were four years old, right? So these images are meant to stick with us for a lifetime. And there is a lifetime of leaning in and learning and gleaning from these parables. They're meant to cause us to ask questions. Now, the first parable begins in verse 21, And it's about a lamp and its light that is meant to be put on display. Now, I'm sure this is obvious and could go without saying, but light is not made to remain hidden. But light is there to manifest and reveal things as it actually is. Now, if you have been around church or you've grown up around church, this idea of the kingdom of God, you might understand that God changes people from the inside out through his love and his word and his gospel goes forward from person to person and it ends up affecting cities and regions and nations. But to the original followers of Jesus, when he was talking about the kingdom of God, they were expecting something to come right then, right now. Now, I'm sure they were enamored with the miracles and the wise teaching that Jesus had. But what they really wanted to know was, when was Jesus going to be able to set up his kingdom on earth? Now, and Jesus uses that opportunity to say, listen, every ounce of light and every ounce of revelation that I give you about my kingdom is meant to be put on display. The light that I'm giving you about who I am and the nature of my kingdom will not remain hidden. Jesus' kingdom cannot and will not remain hidden. And I think that's very important for us because, listen, there are all kinds of seasons in our lives when we seem when we seemingly labor in obscurity, right? Who's had a season where they felt like they were hidden away, where they were tucked away? 
the promise through this parable is what God is doing in secret, in this secret place, when it seems like no one else is watching, actually he's going to use that as a platform to show the beauty and the power of Jesus, that Jesus wants to use seasons of hiddenness to put himself more on display. So what you're doing right now, whether you feel like it's making much of a difference or not, God is saying, I'm going to use those things to put myself on display. And it's easy for us, honestly, to underestimate the power of light. The light of the kingdom of God cannot and will not remain hidden in our lives or in our marriages or in our church. Just by our very presence in the community, in our workplaces, the kingdom of God is being made manifest, right? That certainly happens through our strengths, the things that God has gifted us with. But you know what? The miracle of the kingdom of God, it actually goes forward even better in our weaknesses, in our failures, when we run to Jesus, right? It gives everybody else permission <laughs> to need Jesus. And that's the definition of maturity, is actually needing Jesus more and more. So our presence in the community is a light that will not remain hidden. Now listen to this quote from Jeremy Treat, who helps us understand how Jesus can actually be manifest in our lives. Jesus is manifest not only in the things that he saves us from, right, but the things that he saves us for. He says, God's reign is a saving reign. The kingdom of God provides a holistic understanding of salvation, including not only what we are saved from, but also what we are saved for. So if you want to put Jesus on display in your life, this is how. We are saved from, we are saved from death, but for life. We are saved from shame and for glory. We are saved from slavery and for freedom. We are saved from sin and for following our Savior. We are saved from the kingdom of darkness and for the kingdom of life. So when we live for life and for glory and for freedom and for the kingdom of light, we put Jesus on display. Right? So as we, as normal, everyday people, put the gifts that God has given us in freedom and in salvation and forgiveness and light, Jesus is made manifest. He will not remain a secret. Look at verses 24 and 25 with me. This is kind of the, the ongoing promise that, that we will never run out of resources to put Jesus on display. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So the promise here is that there is an inexhaustible source of life that comes from who Jesus is and from his word. Oftentimes we can have an Oliver Twist kind of mentality when it comes from God, as if we are some kinds of orphan children asking, please God, can I have some more? But the promise here is the more that you use the teachings and the ways of Jesus, the more that will be measured to you. Does that make sense? 
right? The more that you press in to know him, the more that you will make him known, right? You're never going to run out of resources when it comes to putting Jesus on display. But then there's also this warning to the religious leaders of the day, if you do not put those things into practice, even what you have will be taken away from you. Right? There were hard-hearted people who thought they needed no salvation, and they were just playing a kind of religious game. He's saying, the things that you have actually will be taken away from you. So those warnings go out. But the promise here is that Jesus' kingdom cannot and will not remain hidden, but will be made manifest through his people in the world. Now let's look at the next parable, verses 26 to 29. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And I read those verses twice just to see if you were paying attention. It got copied in my notes twice. All right. So this parable has actually been something that has been beautiful to us as a leadership team. We went away last October kind of just feeling the effects of COVID and honestly not knowing what the future of church looks like in general. And there just was this image that came from this parable about the power of the seed. And we walked away very encouraged knowing that regardless of what we see outwardly, that that oftentimes God's doing a lot of work underneath the surface, right? So the, the, the kingdom of God doesn't always spread in these dramatic ways, but oftentimes there's sowing seasons and there's seasons where God is doing things that are underneath the surface. And, and very honestly, I mean, Looking six to eight months later, I mean, how kind of God. That's been true. And, and many of you in this room are an evidence that God is actually causing those things to come true. So this is a powerful picture about how God works in our lives, both individually and as a church, to see his kingdom grow and expand. It is a parable of a man that's scattering seed. The image here is a man scattering the seed on the ground, and then almost anybody can accomplish this part. He falls asleep, and then all of a sudden, breaking through the ground, life and fruit begin to appear. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of ear. So without a doubt, the emphasis in this parable is on the power of the seed. It's not on our farming techniques, right? It's not about us putting up a seed-building workshop or website so that we can have insight. The power is in the seed, and the seed represents the kingdom of God. It contains life, and it contains power, and it contains joy, and it contains forgiveness. And when it is planted and received by faith, it will by itself produce fruit. Now, the kingdom breaks in small and seemingly insignificant ways, but what this parable is teaching us is that kingdom fruit and kingdom power and kingdom harvest is inevitable when we receive it by faith. 
right? That God is actually in the business of making things grow. Listen to this, highlighting the power of the seed. The seed sprouts and grows, verse 27, he knows not how, and then the earth produces by itself, right? So the emphasis is on the power of the seed. It's not on our own activity. It's not in our own ability to change ourselves. So we continue to look to him in faith, and his kingdom continues to grow. So the emphasis is not on us making ourselves grow, but on God who makes all things grow. It also reveals to us that oftentimes growth in the kingdom is gradual and painfully slow. I don't know if you've ever done this experiment or at least you've seen it maybe on TV. But I mean, if you've ever had like a preschooler or a kindergartner, I mean, you, you, you kind of take some beans and you submerge them in water for a while till they begin to sprout. And then you put it in a little cup. And here's, here's what's going to happen when you plant that seed. The kindergartner is going to every day, the first thing that they do in the morning, they're going to go and they're going to look at that cup to see if something's sprouting through the ground. And listen, there's something that's wonderful about that, like when you are a kid and the wonder of life. But listen, there is a way that all of us can be preoccupied with growth in our own lives that leave us preoccupied with ourselves. When we're like, when am I going to grow? When am I going to change? I know that I've got to do this over here, and I know that I've got to do this over here, and I know that I need to change this, and then they've got the summer Sunday coming up, and we're going to talk about marriage, and I didn't even really remember what they said last time, and, and we can just get into this neurotic state of mind thinking that it is all up to us to change and to bear fruit. The truth of this passage is when we are preoccupied with growth, Oftentimes, it stunts growth, right? But when we are preoccupied to Jesus, it actually produces life and growth on its own. That's the point, that we can actually relax and enjoy the process. So the application question is, are there any areas in your life where you are currently discouraged by your apparent lack of growth? The truth in this passage is that Jesus is a master gardener and he knows exactly how to make things grow. Now, slowly this year, I've been reading a book on violin making and it teaches some insights into discipleship. And um, I want to read a quote to you because oftentimes we think that there's part of our lives like that, that God basically can't use or can't redeem. And this is how he applies the process of violin making to discipleship. He says, if I, as a violin maker, have enough love for the wood to labor with its fibers, determined to work with what, is, what has already become, however difficult it may be, how much more so will God? God's loving wisdom knows what is necessary to build something unique and beautiful within our given texture, our fiber, and sometimes our difficult histories. The wood does not get in the way of the instrument's sound. Indeed, it's what makes the sound possible. I will only become a good violin maker if I'm willing to embrace and to work with the despites. Despite this particular flaw... Despite this tapering, despite this odd structure, despite this damage, 
I will give this wood its voice. I will set it free so that it can sing. So this is this so if this is true of violin making, how much more is this true of God? That God will work with us and through us so that we can sing despite all of our failures and despite all of our flaws. That's the miracle of the kingdom of God. That you're designed to make something beautiful. And listen, He delights to actually change us. He delights not only to save us, but to continually make us into the image of Jesus. Oftentimes we, we can kind of get this image into our mind that, that Jesus loves us at the moment of conversion when we're first aware of all of our sins and all of our failures. But then maybe a year or two down the line, we don't change as much as we would like. And then we somehow import into our minds this idea that God's disappointed with the rate of our growth, that God kind of views our sanctification or the way that he changes us, like taking out the garbage, you know? Maybe he's holding his nose at that particular point of his life and of our lives. And what this is teaching us over and over again is that God delights to save us and he delights to change us. Not is he, He's not just taking out the garbage, but he's like a master sculptor who is building a masterpiece and taking away all of the rough edges. So this frees us from being preoccupied with growth. Growth happens as we are connected to Jesus. The power comes from Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. John 12, 24 uses very similar language. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, this is Jesus speaking about his own sacrifice. The only reason that anyone in this room ever produces any fruit is because he was the seed that went into the ground and bore much fruit. Every change that happens in our life is because he laid down his life. Verse 27 speaks about a man sleeping and rising. And that word rising there is the same word that we use for resurrection. So the, the image here is a seed that goes into the ground and begins to bear much fruit and then rises again and brings life. And that gives us hope through Jesus, through the resurrection, that no matter how dead you feel, no matter how broken you feel, that the death and resurrection of Jesus can move you from death to life. So regardless of what you are experiencing currently right now in your life and in your relationships, he promises to bring life. Now, this isn't in the text at all, but I think this is the way that God's calling me to apply this to my own life. So every sprout of life that you see in your life, you should not bemoan your lack of progress. You should celebrate like crazy. Listen, because only God can make things grow, right? We can't do this. This is about the power of the kingdom of God that's come to take up residence in you and I. And if there is fruit, no matter how small, that wasn't there two years ago, it's proof positive that God lives inside of you and that he's committed to changing you. And the beauty of the book of Philippians is that the work that God starts, he promises to complete 
right? So if you are experiencing any kind of growth, celebrate like crazy. And then you can take it another layer to, to those that you have the privilege of walking closely with, right? The relationships in your home, the relationships in your gospel communities. Celebrate the life that you see in other people, right? And, and you know what's going to happen? There's going to be more fruit. That's the good news of the kingdom of God and the parable of the growing seed. Finally, let's look at verses 30 through 32. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed when sown on the ground. It is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make its nests in its shade. So this final parable is about the growth and the expansion of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is compared to a tiny mustard seed, which was considered to be the smallest of all seeds, but over time it grows to be the largest of all the garden plants. And this, this parable reminds us of the unstoppable expansion and growth of God's kingdom, right? It began as this tiny mustard seed. Jesus, with his 12 disciples, who had wonderfully multiplied to 120 people waiting in the upper room, right? And then it grew and then it expanded despite persecution, despite heresy and false teaching, despite all of the division and all of the problems that the church faced in 2020 and 2021, the kingdom of God continues to grow and expand. Nothing's going to stop the advance of the gospel from generation to generation. And that gives us hope that not only is the gospel going to produce life in us, but it also is going to produce life that goes through us. As we continue to sow the the seeds of the kingdom of God that's like a mustard seed. And you may not see a whole lot of growth happening, but as we pray for the neighborhoods that are around this building and we go on mission in our city and we go on mission to the campus, the promise is that the mustard seed of the kingdom will grow and expand. And I'll just close with this illustration because it's honestly, when you start to get in my season of life, my kids are getting a lot older. I appreciate these stories even more. So I want to share uh, a couple of stories of children on our leadership team and just how God's at work. First, uh, and I think Trenton may have shared this story before, but um, he and Lacey brought both of their girls to a prayer meeting a couple of months ago. And um, I don't know that it was going bad, but I don't think they thought anything spectacular was happening. And they were just looking for the prayer meeting basically to be over, and they were going to kind of exit to the stage right. But somehow in there, little Lucy, she had a tummy ache, and she wanted to stay at the prayer meeting because she wanted someone to pray for her. The little seed, the little mustard seed, that prayer makes a difference had been transferred from Trenton and Lacey to little Lucy, and she knows that prayer makes a difference. That's how the mustard seed grows, right? So I get a text from Aaron early one morning this week, and he said, I don't know if you've ever been to one of our prayer meetings before the gathering. We, we always end them all the same way. We, we gather up just like a team, and we put our hands in the middle, and we say, Jesus on three. One, two, three, Jesus. And everybody raises their voice, right? So there's this thing, and Sam's at this prayer meeting every single week. So they go in before, before 
before they're even up, and he's reenacting the prayer meeting um, inside of his room, and he's like, one, two, three, Jesus, right? Now listen, now, did they think that that, that, that was a, do they want to teach their kids about prayer? Absolutely. But this is, the, this is the way the kingdom goes forward, right? It doesn't always go forward in these dramatic moments, but it's the everyday, ordinary moments. So don't grow discouraged in sowing little seeds. God wants to make it grow so that many can come and find rest and shade in what he causes to grow in his kingdom. So God wants to take the little bit and multiply it. So I just want to pray that for us as a church, and I'll invite the band to come on up and close us. Father, I thank you so much that you take (laughs) the little bit that we have and you make it grow. I thank you that you are more committed to changing us than we are to changing us. I thank you that you continue to move and make things grow (laughs) uh, all by yourself. Um, But but you allow us a front row seat to see how you're at work. Um, I pray for all that are weary or discouraged over their apparent lack of progress, that you would um, reintroduce them to your patient, kind, transforming love. Thank you for your patience with me individually. Thank you for your patience with us as a church family. And we wholeheartedly receive everything that you want to do in our lives because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, before we jump into worship, I just wanted to uh, just encourage you, uh, just as we've talked about planting seeds and, and the harvest and all these things, I've uh, just specifically digging into the, the growth of the seeds. The man that we talk about in Scripture was called to do two things. Grew out some seed, he waited for a while, and he reaped a harvest. And uh, it's just a reminder that at the end of a crazy year, uh, there was a lot of times when we were throwing out seeds, just wondering, what on earth are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, you know, we, I remember specifically standing in this room, in this spot, looking at a camera, thinking, is, is anything even happening out here? So. Uh, But yet, there is growth. There is stuff going on underneath the soil. Uh, As I had to go uh, set up some stuff for a lunch this this afternoon, and and, uh, I see Joey Ward back there sitting by himself, but him, his wife, his young baby, they're all three here. Maggie's probably back there taking care of the baby. What on earth are we doing here? You know? These little seeds that we're asked to just sow, these little steps of obedience are so easy to look over. They're so easy to ignore. They're so easy to think this is landing on dry ground. There's no way that this is going anywhere. Last week we talked about the birds that are snatching those way, the thorns that can come in, but it's the sowing of the seeds that we're called to do. And we let God handle the rest of it. So brother, sister, whatever little seed that called to sow right now, it's worth it. It may seem small, it may seem like it's going nowhere, but let's just trust that the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the ground, the one who spoke into existence everything that we know, he's the one working in the growth. He's the one developing that seed, growing those roots deeper. All we're called to do is just throw some seed out, as silly as it might seem. 
whether that's loading up a packet play or a car seat and getting our families here or uh, some silly conversation that maybe God's pressed on you to have with a friend. Let's just trust Him to handle the rest. And His promise is that we're going to be there to reap the harvest. It's going to be in His glory and His name. So when He's doing that, it's nothing that we get to brag about, but it's our God. It's the kingdom, that light that we get to show off. So anyway, I just want to encourage you, step out, plant the seed, and trust God to handle the rest. Just invite you to stand um, as we just close and sing a song called Desert Song. Uh, just responding to what God's spoken to us through Chad's teaching. Uh, just invite you to respond in whatever way you feel led. Um, if you need to grab someone and ask for prayer. Um, if you need to just sit down and pray, whatever posture you feel led to.
thank you for the message this morning, God, that, God, you are the one that makes the seed grow, God, and it's your power, God, that even when we eat,